My guest on today's episode of Hard Costs is Suhei Piedra. Now, Suhei is an enrolled agent and a 20-plus year certified tax preparer. And what she says is she likes to make her clients' money work for them so that they don't have to work forever. Her daily work is the co-founder of Prominence Business and Wealth Management. And in this business, along, by the way, with her two sisters who are co-founders, uh, Suhei and her team support high-earning service-based business owners and helps them achieve long-term wealth through a holistic approach to financial services. They also provide bookkeeping, tax preparation, financial planning, and tax strategy all under one roof. Now, what I found especially interesting about this conversation with Suhei is that Suhei and I did not know each other before this call. Up until now, most of the conversations that I've been bringing you are from colleagues or friends or friends of friends or people that I looked up to and I reached out to because I really wanted to share their story with you. Now, Suhei approached me and I was so, so thankful that she did because her story, as you'll hear it unfold over the next few minutes, is one of real resilience. Uh, she is the child of Mexican immigrants. She is the oldest of five girls. So you can imagine what that household was like. She had a lot of expectations put on her by her family and society, but also, as you'll hear, by herself. Uh, and her journey through becoming a professional, through discovering herself, through becoming a fairly young mom, through navigating a really difficult relationship one that ended fairly tragically and significantly impacted her passion for her work and her ability to do work. All of these come up in our conversation today. And it really wasn't what I expected when I knew that I was going to be speaking with somebody about wealth and tax preparation and financial planning. But this is exactly why I wanted to create hard costs, because each and every one of us, as we are building our businesses and as we are growing our personal lives and, and chasing after our goals, we, each one of us is going to pay some hard costs and how we come out of it and the lessons we learn, I think are so powerful, not only for us, but for those around us. So I am truly, truly thankful for Suhei's time today, and I cannot wait for you to listen. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Suhei Piedra. Welcome to Hard Costs, the podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, fractional CMO and funnel fixer. And guess what? I'm good in a crisis and I know how to see through the chaos to find clarity. That's something I've learned from working behind the scenes as a strategic partner for visionary CEOs. I'm on a mission to bring founders to the forefront and to tell the truth about the hard costs of doing business. You know, we all see wins shared on social media highlight reels every day. But what we don't often get a glimpse into are the tough times, the lost revenue, hiring and firing, moments that required major pivots, and so much more. On Hard Costs, we're bringing forward the stories that will help you understand that the roller coaster ride you're on is all part of the gig. And just like a roller coaster, the founder journey can be pretty thrilling. Take a listen while I share my own experiences, case studies from companies I've worked with, and I'm joined by some of my favorite founders to help you navigate this storm the right way. Now let's rise together. Suhei, welcome to the show. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
Oh my gosh. Well, it's my pleasure for a number of reasons, all of which we'll get to in our conversation. Mm -hmm. But what I loved about reading about your story, you have so much in your history with family and money mindset Mm -hmm. and your upbringing. But I also really relate to the fact that you are a woman who works in sort (laughs) of a, like an operational role, right? Like you are, I have to imagine, always surrounded by numbers, always looking at, you know, one plus one equals two. And I'm sure you'll tell me from a financial standpoint, that isn't always true, but I share that because I love spreadsheets and I love systems. And so I'm always really inspired to find other founders who have created these sustainable, successful businesses that aren't necessarily in sort of traditional fields. So I want to jump right in and ask how in the world did you get into the business of financial planning and money management? So, um, you know, it's true how I always tell people, you know, I'm not going to be your typical financial individual. And I mean CPA because they'll say CPA and CPA is just a it's such a common, you know, three letters. And so people will be like, are you a CPA, you know, or you don't talk to me like a normal CPA. And I am not going to be that normal person, that normal CPA that you would imagine is, you know, boring with glasses and just all about the numbers. I am that person, but it goes back to my background. Um, I am, you know, the oldest of five girls. And so that you can imagine we're a very girly girl. And um, my mom and dad, immigrants from Mexico, uh, never really spoke the language. But that forced me to grow up really early in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not only because of my parents, you know, struggles, but also because, again, I'm the oldest of, you know, four other, you know, little girls that, you know, traditionally you have to kind of raise in a sense. Right. Um, But what got me into this world of finances was that, you know, with my parents, when they needed help, it always had to surround themselves. They were very hard workers. Mm-hmm. And they come to this country to work really hard, but no one ever t- teaches, uh, you know, financial literacy. So I found that out and I thought it was just my parents or I thought it was just because they were immigrants or I thought because, you know, we spoke Spanish and we didn't know um, how this country really operated. Mm-hmm. And early on, I think it was around 13 years old when um, my parents were signing their tax returns. And they realized that they didn't know what forms went in what envelope. At that time, you had to mail your tax files. And so I was like, okay, no worries. I I would get along so well with my neighbor. And he was, I think he was maybe in his late 60s, early 70s, an older white man. But he would love telling me stories about him growing up in that house and blah, blah, blah. And here I would just find interest with him and his wife. And they had a little girl as well. And so... I go to him and I go, hey, Mr. Tracy, like my parents don't know how these files kind of go, like what goes in what envelope, what goes to the franchise tax board. And he looks at it and he's like, I don't I don't know either. And I'm like, how do you not know you're white, you know? And so he was just like, no, like, let's see, let's let's just read through this. You know, he's kind of looking and he's just like, well, I think that the Department of Treasury is the is the one that, you know, and so to me, it was just a big aha moment. It made me realize that it didn't matter the color of your skin. It didn't matter your upbringing. It didn't matter what language you spoke. It didn't matter 
none of that mattered. I realized at a really young age that a lot of people just do not know taxes. They do not know numbers. They hate dealing with their finances. And so because of my upbringing and feeling like I wanted to help, uh, I found a place within it uh, very early on. Not that I grew up saying, oh, I want to be an accountant. That's never really what I thought I wanted to be. I wanted to be an attorney. And my mom's like, you're such a good, you know, you always get yourself out of trouble that you're, you're, you're going to be great attorney, you know? But the we two that about my, my little one, she loves to debate. She always has the other side. And I don't even think half the time she has to believe the other side. She just really likes the, the back and forth. So I'm picturing little Suhei having that conversation with her mom and, and picturing my own little one. Oh, yeah. I always would find really good ways. I would always find myself getting in trouble. And then I would always find really good ways of getting myself out of trouble. And so I think the two meshed very well because you know, being working with the IRS, I do have to litigate sometimes. I do have to, you know, you know, prove my client's case and yet we're still dealing with numbers. So somehow the two ended up meshing really well and I ended up loving this career that I'm in. Um, and it really is a passion of mine. I get to help people and I get to introduce people to numbers and to their finances and to the tax world in a way that is very simple and friendly in a way of saying, don't fear the IRS. There's really nothing to fear. Um, but because of our society and of our upbringing, we never, there's really no education on, in our school system on money, mm, on finances, yeah. on tax. And so it all becomes very foreign. And because I'm used to that and I've had to translate that, that I try to make it as friendly and easy as possible for, you know, the everyday person. Yeah, it's it's always fascinating to me how many successful multiple six, seven, and even eight figure plus mm -hmm. business owners will know how to make money, but they yeah. won't necessarily have any idea how to keep the money or how to run profit and loss statements and really to look at profitability. And I was having a conversation with a very you know, successful woman founder, and she did not want to look at her numbers. She, I think mm -hmm. she was just afraid that, as you said, she might not be literate to really understand what they meant, or she might be afraid of what they would show her. Yeah. What is the most common thing that someone comes to you with? Do they come to you with a problem or do they come to you really helping with looking for help with that storytelling? So not necessarily, uh, because we obviously sometimes don't even know that we have a problem, right? We're just, we carry on assuming that we only have to see our tax person once a year for tax season and that's it. I'm trying to change that. And it's out there, but it's not as common for the everyday person, right? And so I try to tell them, hey, we need to meet before the year's over. Well, why? Like, I don't understand. And so I start to explain it's because we want to be proactive. We want the tax return to be, to turn out the way we want it to be, right? And we have every right and every control to do so. It's just no one practices it that way. Mm -hmm. And so you could easily, you know, enter, put more money into your 401k. You can easily, you know, it's just so many little things that we could look at that depending on what your goals are, we can line up. Instead, our system is set up to where we only file a tax return and whatever it spits out, you're like, okay, I owe money or I get a refund but nothing changes. And so you keep doing the same thing over and over because mm -hmm. no one's taken the time to say, Hey, you owe because you didn't adjust your withholdings or because your college kid is now no longer your dependent or because 
guess what? The raise you made, you got ended up increasing your tax rate. It doesn't matter what it is. We just need to know why. And once you start to understand that there's maybe one or two things that you can tweak and the return will look better for you, mm-hmm. um, that's all we really want to, you know, pass on to our clients and our industry's broken. And we are all just going along with filing a tax return, not knowing what's on there. What is it saying about us? And no one takes the time to explain it to us. You just said something that was so fascinating to me. You said our industry is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say that it takes a lot of bravery to say something like that, but it sure takes some, Suhei, to especially to be a woman, to sort of say like, hey, this industry that I have benefited from and that has been dominated by these white men for years and years and years, or that is is made out to be sort of this you know, uh, something that you can't really understand, right? You have to have gone to school. You have to have gone to these things. And so for you to say, hey, I'm operating in this industry and it's broken. Does that, where does the bravery to say something like that, that take that bold action come from? So it comes from 20, 20 some years of being in the industry. Okay. I was your typical volume kind of prepare, right? The more you get in, the more you go out. We charge $100 for a tax return. It doesn't matter, right? It's volume-based. So preparers, tax preparers, whether you're a CPA, enrolled date, it doesn't matter what your title is. If you're preparing taxes, you're doing volume in order to make a living. There's no time for the preparer to take an extra 15, 20 minutes to tell you why you owe or why you're getting a refund or what changes to tweak for a better year, right? There's just no time because of the volume. Um, and then they come up with something like TurboTax, do it yourself. So again, it's yes, it's easy because it's data punching figures, but why are you getting the returns that you're getting? Like that's the part that's missing, right? And so the reason I say our industry is broken is because that's the norm across the board. Mm-hmm. Well, when when I finally decided to open up my practice, which is about five years ago, you know, I found that in 2008, what I saw was devastating. When the crash happened, you would have people come in our office. I was working for a CPA at that point, but we would have people coming in that made, you know, half a million dollars a year, but yet their house was being repoed, their cars were being taken away. It was shameful and devastating to have a professional couple sitting in front of me and them shedding tears because they were ashamed of what they were going through, right? And this is always what happens. There's things that happen behind the scenes that not everyone gets to see. You know, the media shows, yes, we're going through something, but when you have to deal with somebody at an individual personal level, it it takes a toll on you to have these families coming in and out and saying, gosh, I know them and look at what they're going through. Or thinking, man, if I made half a million dollars a year, I'd be set. That's not the case. They still live paycheck to paycheck like anyone else would because it has nothing to do with what you bring in. It has to do with what you do with your money. And that part was what was broken, the educational part. Nobody was doing any better just because they were making more. And I would get the next client comes in. He's making, you know, $75,000 a year, a custodian at a public school. And he's buying all these properties. And I'm like, wait a minute, how is this possible? And he's like, well, you know, and he's like learning this thing of leverage while everyone is going through devastation. And it's because he had good credit. 
He was living way below his means. He had equity that he could pull. He had saved a lot of money. And so he had something that the other families didn't, which was he knew how to conserve his money. He was living below his means. He wasn't necessarily living paycheck to paycheck. And so he had that advantage and was making an opportunity. That's something that presented itself, an opportunity. And he was making a lot of money in the process. He was, you know, now he's able to retire early. And I'm like, why? Because there's that financial education piece that was missing. That is so fascinating to me. And so with that thread of you being an advocate for those who maybe don't have access or haven't been empowered to understand their finances. And I love the example you gave where the person with, you know, six figure, six figures plus in the bank um, really was in some ways more poor, not from a financial standpoint, although certainly it sounds like that, but just, you know, more, was, was less equipped to Uh, manage his money than the person who had access to that information. So we know little Suhei and the Mm -hmm. upbringing that you had and some of your origin story. And we know Suhei today, this fierce advocate, but there's a whole journey in the middle that I want to really go through with you because you have this big family. Uh, You're the oldest. And by the way, the oldest daughter energy is something that comes through in a lot of these conversations. I'm the oldest daughter. Many of my (laughs) guests, whether they are a founder of, you know, a financial company or a marketing company, we we tend to really be these like high achieving, (laughs) strong willed women. So I I love that you're in that club, but you know, you go through, you have this conversation with your mom. You just shared that you founded this company. Walk me through the in-between. What did high school and your continuing education look like before you started practicing in your own business? So my mom would always tell me that I like to do things backwards, right? And for sure, that's what it was. Uh, I I fought the the urge of, you know, following the regular let's go to school kind of a thing. I wanted to take a year off after high school and, you know, be that rebel kind of a person. And I think it's because as the oldest, again, you get used to being the one that you have to be responsible. You have to set an example for your sisters. You have, And I was like, screw this. I don't want to be that person, you know, but deep down inside, you still are in a sense. Yeah. And so I, you know, um, I had my first, I had my son at 23, which, you know, was okay. It wasn't, I wasn't too young nor too old, but definitely not financially stable to handle that. Um, I'm very observant, but I started to notice really early on just how there was no help, you know, and I needed, you know, I needed to work, but yet I was, I was having my son and I couldn't find a babysitter. And so there's a lot of struggles with all of that. And I've, and I always had this, this goal in mind that one day, you know, I wanted to have my business, but I didn't know in what, mm-hmm. but, you know, there was this accounting accountant that just saw the fire inside of me of, you know, being good with numbers or being good with, you know, my work ethic. And so she took, uh, you know, she took me under her wing and she taught me a lot of what I know today. You know, she introduced me to accounting and tax and stuff like that. Well, again, I was really good at litigating. And so in that, in that CPA firm, I had to deal with audits and, um, I would always find really good ways of proving my case just because I saw, I took a different perspective. I saw things a little bit different. And so I became really good at that. And so I was like, maybe this is where I belong. Maybe this is where, you know, I, I want to be. Um, 
So I went back to school, but here I am now a young mom. And again, making my life more complicated than it probably needs to be. Right. But you know, you, you, you learn <laughs> eventually you learn. And so, um, so I have, my son is now, you know, 21 and it's crazy to see the the journey that we've gone through. I have a daughter as well. She's 17. And so I'm going through school, figuring myself out, figuring out, preparing myself to start my business. But what happens is with the upbringing that we have, we always have that I'm not enough or I need one more certificate or I need to know everything because what if I get a question that I don't have an answer to? So I was never ready. I was never, I never felt ready. Um, But finally with, uh, you know, the kids are older and I finally decide that, you know, it's, it's time. It's because one of my younger sisters uh, decides that, you know, she wants to quit her job and she doesn't want to go find a nine to five. So we should start our own business. <laughs> so I start the business with my sister, my sister Cruz. And um, I've always had the support of my sisters. We get along. It's funny. People are always surprised when they see that the business is ran by sisters. They're like, how do you guys get along? Like my dad did a really good job about making us, uh, you know, like each other and rely on each other. And we're a very close knit family. And so we've, we're very supportive of each other. So it's kind of neat that, you know, I get to work with my family. We're all involved one way or another. And, um, and, you know, I have like this little powerhouse, right. <laughs> of a family, but on the other, on the flip side of it, I have a, um, a, what is it called? A toxic, you know, relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm raising these kids. I'm focused on trying to work. I don't want to be home, even though I am a mom Mm -hmm. and the kids are like, mom, you're never home, you know, but I dreaded going home. I dreaded going home for multiple reasons. I dreaded going home because of the toxic, toxic relationship. I dreaded going home because I remember home was washing dishes, taking care of you know, doing laundry, doing all this stuff. And so I didn't want to go home. I wanted to work late hours. I wanted to just not be home. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle that I had to figure out the first year I opened the business. um, I did a course and it, it was called sell without selling. Mm -hmm. The first couple of days that I'm in class, they're asking all these personal questions. And I'm like, what does that have to do with my business? You know? And she tells me, she goes, what happens, what drives your personal will also drive your business. And I'm like, I don't believe that. And she's like, just play along, you know, just answer the questions. And so it was so crazy to see the relationship between what was going on at home and what I was starting up in the business and the limiting beliefs, the challenges, um, you know, again, the I'm not enough. And it was really hard. It was really a very tough time. Opening the business didn't just create an amazing, um, you know, business for us all, but it also opened me up in ways that I'd never thought could be possible. I never thought there, well, there isn't anything wrong with us, right? But I never saw the challenges that I was going, that were going on at home, translating in my business. And yet they were everywhere. Yeah. And I have to imagine that makes you so much more empathetic when you do have a client come into your office and maybe they're talking to you about something dry, you know, their tax paperwork or whatever it is related to their business, I have to imagine that it gives you an opportunity to hold up a mirror for them in the same way that this class did for you. 
Do you get emotional ever talking about money and and taxes with your clients? I do. Um, It's it's not even just emotional, but you said like empathetic, right? I understand where they're coming from, but they even have a bigger disadvantage because again, finances and money and dealing with taxes is just something that people don't like to do and then layer it with whatever drama, you know, they've got going on or whatever, you know, toxic marriage. I mean, that is just so big, especially as, as women, right? We are moms. We, you know, we are spouses and we're housekeepers and all of this stuff. So we have a tremendous amount of pressure going on in the background that has to, whether we want to admit it or not, translate into our business. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't really see that in the beginning, like I said, but, you know, as I became stronger in um, when all this stuff was kind of being shed off of me, right? You're going through working all these exercises, understanding where the broken little girl is at and me wanting to help everybody. And it just becomes that thing where I was raised that way. My dad expected me to know things that a regular, you know, 10 year old shouldn't even know, but I needed to know how to balance a checkbook. I needed to know how to pay the bills for my family. I needed to know all this stuff and I needed to take control of my finances. What I didn't realize is that that translated into my relationship. What happened was I always had to be in control always. And what does that do for a man? Sometimes it strips them of their manhood. Right. But I didn't know that, you know, it's not like I was doing it out of being evil. It's just, I was again, trying to do what I was taught to do and bringing it on over into a new relationship. So, you know, years down the road, you figure out, you know, I'm going through this class and I'm, and I'm looking at everything and I'm like, wow, I could have done this better. I could have done this different. You know, could maybe this led to the 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 problems we have today, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of cleaning up emotionally that that I had to do. And this is what I tell clients. It's like, I come here and I help you solve your problems, but I have problems of my own. I have, you know, things that go on behind the scenes that um sometimes, you know, they I'm I'm a very strong individual, so sometimes people can't even see them, but they're there, you know. There's a lot of stuff that was happening behind the scenes. And um, unfortunately, you know, after I went through the divorce, um, literally two weeks after that, you know, he passes away. And so dealing with the guilt, dealing with I could have done better. I could have been a better person. I should have tried harder kind of a deal. All of that stuff just, you know, hits you like a brick wall. And the business is one of those things that kept me going, but there was a point in my, in my, in this whole process that I didn't even care for the business. I didn't want it anymore. I was growing the business so much so quickly because I was so relatable to clients and explaining things to them and helping them understand things. But in the background, I'm like literally just shutting apart, you know? And so there was a time where I said, I just don't want the business. I don't want to continue the business. Um, But what that did is it made everybody else step up to the plate. With that tragedy came me letting go. And again, not knowing how controlling I was. 
not knowing that I was holding my own business back because I wanted to do everything. I wanted to be, you're not answering the phones correctly. Let me answer that. You're not answering the emails correctly. Let me answer them. And so it was, everything wasn't done to my standard. And so I ended up with everything on my plate. Mm -hmm. And so when I stepped away, everybody stepped up to the plate, making the business processes better, it just, everything turned around so much better, yeah. but I had to let go of control. Well, you, you have to know, Suhei, and thank you for sharing. I think, you know, that's really why I wanted to create this show is not to spend time wallowing in trauma or, but really, I think these stories are, I find them so empowering and so relatable. As you said, you know, I want to know that the person who's helping me with my taxes or helping me with marketing or bagging my groceries or any of the other things, you know, I want to know that they are human first. And I, you know, I, I don't want them to have had gone, have gone through these tragic scenarios, but I know that they're more well-rounded people because of it. Um, mm-hmm. But you have to know that your your team, your family stepping up for you came from a place of love because if you had not already reflected that back and really shown them that you were deserving of that support, then the business probably would have fallen apart. Right. And so I, I hope that you have given yourself some credit as you look back to say you did enough right in building the foundations of the business that mm-hmm. when you were really challenged or even when you were, um, you know, saying like, Hey, this is not right. Like, cause I'm that person too. I'm like, Hey, if I, if someone is going to make a mistake, let it be me because at least I know that it won't be careless and I can take it on. Um, but the fact that people stepped up for you is a real testament to the fact that they believed in you and they knew that there was something on the other side for you. Um, so I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Have your kids shown any interest in coming into the business with you since it is a family (laughs) affair? (laughs) So my son did. uh, My son's very smart and he's really good with numbers, you know, and he said he wanted to be a CPA, but uh, senior in high school, he went on a, uh, some sort of a, um, you know, college day event and he was introduced to cars and he's always liked cars, but when he came home and talked to me about what they introduced to him with the cars and all this, you know, this trade school, the light and excitement inside of him was something I'd never seen before. And so he's, you know, he was still set on going to a university for four years. And when he, um, you know, I, I kind of talked to him and I said, look, this is four years is a long time for you to go to school for something you don't like. He goes, but I'm good at it. And I said, if that's great, you know, but doesn't mean you have to like it. So why don't you go to this trade school? It's two years. If you don't end up liking that, you can always transition over or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, he, he showed that interest, okay. discovered something different. He's, he went full on into being a mechanic. So that's what he does now. And he was really excited about that. He, came to work for me one tax season and I think he quit midway and he said, mom, you work too much. Like he was just like, no, no. (laughs) So I was laughing because, um, you know, it, it tax season is very, is very difficult. This career is not made for everybody. Um, you know, and, um, and the way that I'm doing business now is definitely a little bit less, stressful during tax season because it's a little more organized 
but um, but there's a lot of handholding processes. Sure. There's a lot of things we have to change, a lot of education that goes into it. So it takes a lot of patience. Um, but yeah, my son was the only one. My daughter, no. I love that. Yeah. I always wonder what path my kids will take. And I, I was really touched by the way you were talking about the light in your son's eyes, because I mean, I think that's all any of us are trying to do. And it sounds like that's what your own parents were were doing when you were young and really encouraging you to find your path and Mm -hmm. use your gifts, uh, but really continue to help people. Um, When you right now would be challenged by something. You know, you talked about you're you're so close with your family. Now you're in business with your sisters. You have your kids. But is there an inner circle of whether it's friends or family or or somebody that you go to when things are great, but also when things are are difficult? Is that a, a lot of people? Is that a small, tight circle? What does that look like for you? So I like to again, because I res I come across very strong and like I have my crap put together, right? And I said, I don't, right? But that's the persona uh, that I am. And sometimes it's very hard for for individuals to start a conversation with me because I'm so closed off, right? Um, which they, they'll be like, you fit the, that tax person, right? In a sense. But once they get to know me, I'm totally not like that. I'm very easygoing and stuff. So when I love having conversations with other relatable women. Mm -hmm. I hated, and I'll be very honest with you, being categorized as, oh, you're a woman or you're a, you know, Hispanic or you are whatever. Like I hated those titles. Right. But as I've gotten older and in this journey of trying to identify who I am, I love it because I relate other women relate to the fact I made a post this morning of me leaving the house because I wanted to be at the office early and yet no one did the dishes. So I had to do the dishes because if I didn't do them, I would have came to work. And in the back of my mind, all I would have been thinking about are the dishes. Right. And so it's, it's silly, but another woman, another mom, another female in business, another, you know, person that has a business would understand where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. And so I like having those conversations with other women that have that are that have that entrepreneur spirit because they understand that we have to multitask whether we like it or not yeah. you know but then I love brainstorming with other individuals that are in the business and then sometimes having a glass of wine over whatever so I have different groups you know I really do have different groups and I've learned to just open up open up because you just never know who either is going to benefit from your message yeah. Or just by saying your message out loud, it's also a release of that emotion. I, you know, there's a lot of things that I never really talked about and um, made me feel to others a lot more closed off. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I was like, no, I, it's okay for me to, for me to share that, you know, I didn't have the greatest relationship. There was a lot of stuff in the back scenes. And, um, and that struggle, the clients understood when I said, you know, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I know I have to be here, but I don't want to. There's a lot of stuff I'm dealing with emotionally, the guilt of here I am again, working when I should be at home mourning, you know? Um, I go, so there's a lot of guilt that, that had to go through that, that I had to process, but I think through open conversation, it just helped it a lot. 
Yeah. Well, there's something that you said that I think will absolutely resonate with the listeners of this show. And it is that sometimes your business is your safe haven or your shelter Mm -hmm. and you go there to escape what else, you know, what else is waiting for you at home or just because you're so caught up in it. You're so consumed with the building, but sometimes it is also the prison that you've created for yourself. And I just find that the more that we acknowledge that all of these things we prayed for and wished for and worked so hard for. Sometimes even when we get them and they're beautiful and we feel blessed, it's also sometimes heavy at the same time. And, and not feeling the guilt or the shame of sometimes saying like, I love my business and I'm glad for what it is, (laughs) but there are times when it's really freaking hard and I don't want to do it and I want to burn it down. So you sharing that I think is tremendously relatable from a money mindset standpoint, is there one message or one thing that you wish you could tell people about the way they approach their finances, whether it's their personal finances, their professional or a mix? What money mindset advice can you give to somebody that you think will make them into a seven figure plus uh, person? I get tons of calls saying they want to work with the CPA. And this is what I want to say. It doesn't matter if they're a CPA It doesn't matter if they're an enrolled agent. It doesn't matter if they're just a regular tax professional with a a state certification. You want to find someone that's going to take the time to really educate you on a better tomorrow. Okay. And that's easy. Your tax return is telling a story. We all fail to understand those reports. And the person that knows how to read them is not taking the time to explain them to you. So there's a disconnect. And those returns are telling a story. They're either going to support your financial goals. And what I mean by that is, you know, leverage, lending, purchasing power, those returns. What is the first thing a mortgage lender will ask you for is your tax return mm-hmm. and the banks. Why? Why? Because this says something about you and you don't even know what it says about you. Right. <laughs> so that's the one thing, especially if you're self-employed, right? It, it's telling us something about you and your business, but yet no one's taking the time to explain that. No. They sure aren't. (laughs) We don't. And the biggest message across everything is the profit and loss statements, your, you know, income and expense reports, whatever you want to look at your budgets. Tell us a story. Tell us whether we're set up to succeed tomorrow or tell us whether there's something coming that we're going to go bankrupt. We're going to the business is going to fail. It's telling us a story. And we need to be brave enough to start to learn how to read those reports, whether it's with our bookkeeper, our tax professional, a CFO, it doesn't matter, but you need to look at those reports to be able to save whatever is coming. If it's a better future, great, then you'll be prepared to pull the trigger on the next big thing or invest in another business or buy a building or whatever it may be. And if it's something that it's time to correct, when you're looking at that, it gives you time to make those corrections. So instead of fearing them, embrace them, use them as the tool to help us excel. And I think that that is the biggest, you know, misconceptions. We fear them instead of embracing them to use them. And so I just, you know, I wish everybody would, um, just take the time to find somebody that'll help them on a, with those reports. I love that. And I think what I pulled out of there especially is that you don't necessarily have to get caught up in what 10 years looks like. You're, you're working for a better tomorrow. But understanding that if you do this, you have the time 
to create the 10 year plan. And I, right. I think about that from business a lot. You know, we, we talk about where do you want to go? How do you want to grow? Well, honestly, it's just a series of small steps. You know, what are you mm-hmm. doing today to, to prepare your business for tomorrow? So Suhei, I am so appreciative mm-hmm. of your time and of your story. I am so delighted that you are passionate about your work because I know it's positively impacting so many people. And I really can't wait for our listeners to connect with you. So thanks again for your time. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of that conversation, Suhei has spent more than 20 years as a certified tax preparer. She is the co-founder of Prominence Business and Wealth Management. You can learn more at prominencebusiness.com. You can also, by the way, find Suhei on Instagram at prominence.services. She's on LinkedIn. And by the way, she has been featured on all sorts of other programs, including Sell Without Selling. She's been featured on Business Spotlight USA. She has her own podcast that she hosts and produces. It's called Tax Talk with Hey Hey Podcast. And on that show, they provide insights into business taxes, wealth building, and honestly, what it means to create real financial freedom. So I highly recommend that you check those out. And again, as you heard in our conversation, there's so much more to Suhei, just like there is so much more to all of us. She is constantly, as she shared with me, working on her own growth mindset. And I love really being around people that are continuously working on themselves and their businesses, even as they are supporting those of us in our own businesses. So I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Suhei. I hope there were elements that surprised you and that you are now able to carry forward and put into your own life. As always, if you have any feedback, I welcome it. And I truly appreciate you listening. I'll see you on the next episode of Hard Costs. Thank you for listening to this episode. My hope is that through someone else's journey, you're able to find what you need to keep going because a rising tide lifts all boats. Doing business is hard, but none of us has to navigate it alone. So make sure you share this with a friend or a colleague who needs to hear this message. And I would love for you to write a review so we can keep getting these incredible founder stories to as many people as possible. If you liked this episode and want to learn more about my services or would like to book me as a speaker for your next event, head to katiewidrick.com. I'll see you on the next episode of Hard Costs.